morning, everybody. It's Pastor Randy here with Made Free Church and Made Free Church Idaho. Hope you guys are having a great morning. I know I am. Um, it's just amazing, you know, being out here in Idaho and, and uh, you know, it's just beautiful. It's great, you know, um, so keep us in prayer because we want to launch a, a church, Made Free Church Idaho out here. And so we need, you know, uh, prayer for finances, and we also need prayer to find an actual location to actually, you know, uh, open up church so we can start gathering. Also, guys, we're going to be starting a Bible study pretty soon here in Idaho. Um, so pray for that and uh, pray that God gives us discernment on scripture and, and stuff like that. So it's going to be a really, really, really cool thing. Um, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's just an announcement before we get started guys oops wrong one Dang, I always do that guys if you guys need prayer please go to madefreechurch.org that's madefreechurch.org we have a whole intercessory prayer team that's set up to pray over your prayer request um, daily we, and when you guys submit your prayer request we do that for a week but what we're doing right now is you know we're getting into some real prayer and you know and in, in real time so you know what i'm doing is i'm taking out of my personal time to pray over the prayer request i mean i do anyway but i'm being more specific i'm being more intentional about my prayers when they come in so guys uh, do that let me turn on some music i love josh snodgrass man he's awesome all right. There we go. Awesome. So yeah. So if you guys need prayer, you know, let me uh, let us know. We'd love to pray for you. Um, also, we're going to continue our, in our study of uh, Romans, the good news of God, and we're going to be in Romans chapter three, verse twenty-four through twenty-six, right? Um, I didn't really finish my my Bible study on Tuesday, so I'm going to finish it today. Okay, Heavenly Father, we just come before you. We say thank you for your word and thank you for this time, Lord. And we just ask, Lord, that you minister this word to us, Lord. And we know that we're justified through faith because of the works of what Jesus did on the cross for us and not any of, of what we've done, Lord. We don't add to salvation or regeneration or sanctification or justification well that's all you we just want to bless you today god and we just want to say thank you for all that you do in jesus name. amen all right let's get into this man um i'm going to be going back and forth from my notes so if you guys want to um you know uh comments <coughs> please uh post your comments and the people that are on the podcast, because we do have podcasts that are there, uh, won't be able to comment. But, you know, uh, if you guys want to send us a message on the podcast, uh, people that are listening to the podcast, please go to madefreechurch.org, okay? And put your comments there, all right? Sweet. So let's get into this. So today we're going to resume our study in Romans, the good news of God. And, and I, like I said, I didn't finish my Bible study on Tuesday, so I want to finish it today. See, the issue that the Apostle Paul is dealing with in his letter to the Roman church is how God saves sinners. See, the most important question that anyone could ever answer is, how 
can a person come into right relationship with God? See, God is a holy God. He created Adam and Eve without sin. Adam and Eve enjoyed wonderful relationship with God in the Garden of Eden. But Adam and Eve fell into sin and disobeyed God's command and ate from uh, ate the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil in Genesis 2, 16, verses 16 and 17. And they also broke their relationship with God. See, Adam's sin had, was passed on to all his, what they say, his prosperity. Adam on, from Adam on, from every person who ever has lived, with the exception of Jesus Christ, is without relationship of God, with God and because, because of his or her sin. And God is angry with each person because of their sin. But thankfully, and don't go, well, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really want, you know, to believe in a God that's angry with me. Well, check it out. He's angry because of the sin, right? But see, God has acted, right? Um, and God has provided a way for sinners to be saved. The Apostle Paul explained how God himself provided his own righteousness for sinners. So let's read, and I'm going to start in verse 21 and go to 26 in today's text. Okay, it's Romans chapter 3, verse 24 through 26, but I'm going to start at 21. But now, apart from the law, uh, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. There is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption in which is in Christ Jesus whom God displayed publicly for propitiation in his blood through faith for demonstration of his righteousness because in the forbearance of God has passed over sins previously committed for the dem demonstration of his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and the justifier of one who has faith in Jesus. See, on Tuesday, I mentioned in Romans three, uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 21 through 26, that, that deals with the subject of justification. And I also said that the New Testament scholar Leon Morris says uh, that this verse may be the possibly the most important single paragraph ever written. And because of these verses deal with the most important subject of justification, I feel forced to continue teaching it today, right? I completely agree with Bible commentator uh, John R.W. Stott, who said, "Nobody has understood Christianity who does not. Nobody has understood Christianity who does not understand the word justification." So we'll spend another study on justification. You know, pastors who are committed to teaching the Bible understand the importance of teaching on the subject of justification. We teach it many times in different ways in order to help God's people understand what justification is. You know, sometimes God's people are slow to learn, you know, um, and pastors feel like the great ref uh, German reformer, Martin Luther, who rediscovered the doctrine of justification, uh, justification in the 16th century and was a human instrument responsible for the Reformation, who said to his congregation, after years of teaching about justification, he said this, I have preached justification by faith so often, 
I feel sometimes that you are slow to receive it, that I could almost take the Bible and bang it over your heads. So you may recall in the last study that I presented an extended illustration describing justification. See, the word justification comes from the law of courts, right? And it, it, it is a legal term indicating the process of declaring a person righteous. Now, I love the way that uh, J.I. Packer describes what happens in justification. He says this, justification is the truly dramatic transition from the status of the condemned criminal awaiting a terrible sentence to that of an heir awaiting a fabulous inheritance. Right? So, Question 33 in the Westminster uh, short, Shorter Catechism is, what is justification? And the answer is given. Justification is an act of God's free grace, wherein he pardoneth all of our sins and accepteth us as righteous in his sight, only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. So... Let us look a little bit more closely at the definition of justification. I'm using an outline originally given by J, uh, John R.W. Stott in his treatment of justification of the cross of Christ, right? So first, the source of justification is the grace of God, right? In Romans 3.10, it says, none is righteous, no, not one. And it, it, it's clear that in Romans 3.20, it says, By works of the law, no human being will be justified in God's sight. So, you ask, then how is anyone saved? I mean, if we're all sinners, and we are. And if we're all under God's righteous uh, wrath, and we are. And if we're under the condemnation, and we are. And if there's nothing that we can do to save ourselves, and we cannot, then how can anybody save? See, the only way it is possible to be saved is if God does the saving for us. We do nothing to deserve the help. We deserve nothing but wrath, judgment, and condemnation. But thankfully, God's work on behalf of sinners, right? And that that is what grace is, right? The Apostle Paul says in Romans 3.24, justified by his, i.e. God's grace, as a gift through the redemption in Christ Jesus. You know, one ad, and this was a while ago, one ad in the, uh, in the U.S. Marines is a picture of a sword and beneath it are the words, earned, never given. So if you want to become a Marine, you must be prepared to earn that name through sacrifice, hardship, and training. And if you get it, you deserve it. But if you want to become a Christian, you must have the exact opposite for the messages given, never earned. See, you cannot save your own soul. And God will not save anyone who tries to earn salvation, but only those who humbly receive it as a gift through faith in Jesus Christ. And if you get it, you will abs you absolutely do not deserve it. And you receive it because of God's grace. You know, I love the way that Jed Packer explains grace. He says this, The grace of God is is the grace of God is love freely shown towards guilty sinners contrary to their merit and indeed in defiance of their demerit it is God's showing goodness to persons who deserve only the severity 
uh, severity and had no reason to expect anything but severity. The old tale speaks of a man who died and faced an angel. He faced the angel Gabriel in the heaven gates. And the angel and Gabriel said, here's how it works. You need 100 points to make it into heaven, right? You tell me the good things that you have done and I will give a certain number of points for each of them. The more good there is in the work that you cite, the more points that you'll get. When you get to 100 points, you'll get in. Okay, the man said. I was married to the same woman for 50 years and never cheated on her, not even my heart. Gabriel's like, wow, that's wonderful. Well, that's worth three points. Three points, the man said. Well, I attended church all my life and supported its ministry with money and service. Terrific, said Gabriel. That's certainly worth a point. One point. That said the man with his eyes beginning to show a bit of panic. Well, how about this? I opened up a shelter for the homeless in my city and I fed the needy people by the hundreds during the holidays. Fantastic. That's good for two more points. Two points, cried out the man in desperation. But at this rate, I will only get to heaven by the grace of God. Come on on, come on, come on in, said Gabriel. See, the, the purpose of that story is that we cannot earn our way into heaven. The only way we get into heaven is to be acquitted of all of our sins. And that is what justification is. And, and that is that can only happen if God acts in grace towards us. So the source of justification is the grace of God. Now, second, the ground of our uh, justification is the work of Christ. See, God is righteously angry with us because of our sin, and we deserve his wrath, right? And we deserve condemnation. We deserve to be sentenced to hell. But God in his grace sent Jesus Christ to pay that penalty for our sin. Paul said in Romans 3.25, he says about Jesus, he says, Whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. That is, Jesus appeased the wrath of God by shedding his blood and dying on our behalf. Right? So here's a story about an unfaithful marriage. The affair had been going on for years. The attraction and the eventual surrender of two unfaithfulness had actually surprised both people. They thought that themselves as honorable, right? The woman was happily married, living in an inevitable a circumstance with a truly great man. Her lover was an achiever at the highest level. He was the most trusted friend and ally of her husband. Now, if they were even if they were ever discovered, what would her husband do? Now, the law of the lands required capital punishment in the case of unfaithfulness. And now you know that the situation that I'm describing was happened a long, long time ago. This is a story about Arthur, Guinevere, and Lancelot in uh, um, Lancelot with T.H. White's, uh, sorry, I just got a, uh, a text message from a buddy of mine in California. Um, T.H. White's novel, 
the once and future king, or better known on the basis of famous music, movie musicals called Camelot. In the book, Arthur's illegitimate son, uh, uh, Mord- Mordred, right? Mordred, exposes the affair, forcing Arthur to confront the incredible dilemma of bringing justice to bear on those he loves the most. Before the affair was exposed, Arthur had to explain the need for justice to Guinevere and Lancelot. He says this, You will find, Arthur said, that when kings are bullies who ever believe in force, the people are bullies too. If I if I don't stand for law, I won't have law among my people. You see, Lancelot, I have been absolutely just, far from being willing to execute his enemies. A real king will be willing to execute his friends. That dilemma of the king's justice pitted against the king's love and captured in the musical Camelot. Right? Let me turn this down a bit more. Um, when Mordred sings Arthur what a magnificent dilemma let her die and let and your life is over let her live and your life is a fraud which will it be Arthur do you kill the queen king the queen or kill the law we could actually say that this is God's dilemma also right because God created us he loves us God cherishes us and he formed us in the dust from the earth in his own image. And he breathed into us the breath of life. So you can't get any more intimate or any more personal or any more caring than that, right? And yet we have gone our own way. We deliberately defy his commands and also refuse to uh, refuse his overtures of love and reconciliation. But see, God is, God is, God is also a just God. He could not simply turn the other way. His justice had to be satisfied. And it was fully satisfied in the death of Jesus for sinners. Right? Justification, uh, John Stott writes, is the synonym for amnesty, which is pardon without principle, a forgiveness which overlooks, even forgets, like amnesia is forgetfulness, right? Wrongdoing declines to bring to, to justice, no justification is an act of justice, of gracious justice. Uh, so, excuse me. No justification is an act of justice, of gracious justice. When God justifies a sinner, he is not declaring bad people to be good or saying that they are not sinners after all. He's pronouncing them legally righteous, free from the, inability, uh, the liability to the broken law because he himself in his son has borne the penalty of of their law breaking. In other words, we are justified by his blood, right? And uh, so this is this this is vitally important doctrine is not well understood today. I mean, we must clearly understand what involved what is vo- what is involved with justification. Otherwise, we're in danger of a, of a shallow understanding which may not actually involve salvation. Our understanding of justification must be something closer to Charles Spurgeon than the common misunderstanding of justification today. This is how Spurgeon explains justification. When I was under the the hand of the Holy Spirit, under conviction of sin, I had a clear 
and sharp sense of the justice of God. Whatever it might be to other people became to me an intolerable burden. It was not so much that I feared hell, but I feared sin. I knew myself to be so horribly guilty that I remember feeling that if God did not punish me for the sin, he ought to do so. I felt that the judge of all the earth ought to condemn such sin as mine. I had upon my mind a deep concern for the honor of God's name and the integrity of his moral government. I felt that it would not satisfy my conscience if I could be forgiven unjustly. The sin that I had committed must be punished. But then there was a, the question of how could God be just and yet justify me who has been so guilty. But then the great Baptist preacher noted uh, light dawned on his understanding. He saw that Jesus had borne the death penalty on our behalf. Why did he suffer if not to turn aside the penalty uh, from us? If then he turned it aside by his death, it is turned aside and those who believe in him need not to fear it. It must be so that since God's wrath is satisfied, God is able to forgive without shaking the basis of his throne. Because Jesus' death, God is able to uh, remain just and at the same time be the justifier of those who believe in, G in Jesus Christ. That's a huge statement, guys. So... The source of justification is the grace of God and the ground of justification is the work of Christ. And finally, the means of justification is faith, right? Faith is the means by which justification becomes ours. Faith is the instrument by which we receive the work of Christ. Verse 25 and 26 shows us that faith is the key of receiving justification. Notice the emphasis on faith in Romans 23, 25 and 26 whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith for a demonstration of his righteousness because in the forbearance of God he passed over the sins previously committed for the demonstration of his righteousness at the present time so that he could be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Right? And, and even... And, and, and even the faith that we exercise, which is absolutely essential for salvation, is a gift of God, as Paul explains it in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, which says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith that is not of ourselves, but is a gift from God, not of works, so no one may boast. See, Kathy was, a, uh, was 13 um, was one of 13 children um, raised by a common father of three uh, and, and three mothers in a polygamous community in Utah. The community was a part of the fundamentalist church of the uh, Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, a sect that split from church of uh, Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in the 1890s. So growing up, she was burdened with the unrealistic expectations of the occult, of the cult. She said this, 
We were constantly told, keep sweet, she said, and that perfect obedience pr produces perfect faith. Behind these sugary uh, slogans lay the impossible duty of living in complete obedience to the prophet. This prophet was named Leroy Johnson. A Mormon belief stated that he was the earthly leader of the community and mediator between God and man. So she said this, we called him Uncle Roy, said Kathy, right? He was a feeble old man who prophesied that he would never die, that he'd become a young man and be lifted into heaven. And if I kept sweet, I'd be taken with him. I looked forward to that glorious day with all hope and fear. But that day never came. Instead, Johnson passed away at the age of 93 in 1986 and was succeeded by a new prophet. And these events shattered Kathy's faith in the Mormon way of life. In an act of rebellion, she ran away with a young man named Matt at the age of 18. The two were married and moved to California. But Kathy found that physical distance was not enough to separate her from her former life. I was ashamed I, the way that I grew up in polygamy, she says. I, I worried that people would find out about my past, so I overindulged in drinking, smoking, drugs, and attempted to, uh, to appear worldly. But my thoughts mocked me. You're an idiot for leaving. You didn't stay sweet and obey the prophet. You're going to hell. I sought therapy, but couldn't express my feelings. I wanted desperately to believe in God, yet what had he ever done for me? I tried to read the Book of Mormon, but it did, I didn't believe it anymore. After two years, Kathy and Matt divorced. Late years later, uh, she met a man named Brian at work. And Brian was a Christian and stood out in Kathy's circle of friends. And what happened next was a miracle of grace. We began attending church, and Brian and I spent more time together. He had a purpose to his life, a steadiness that I wanted. When I told him about my past, he shared how Mormonism differed from the, true, the truth of the Bible. We began praying together, and God seemed real and different than I have ever expected. One day, Brian's mother talked about baptism confused I asked many questions what did a person need to do to be baptized did he say a vow or go through a ceremony how much did it cost she assured me that the baptism was free and that it was an outward statement of an inward commitment to Christ and I admitted I wasn't sure I made that commitment and how did I how did I get this faith did you ever did do you have to keep it sweet and be perfectly obedient? And she explained, she explained, good deeds don't save us. Mormonism teaches you must work to earn your way to heaven. The Bible teaches that trusting in Christ's finished work on the cross saves us. I was amazed at the simplicity of the gospel message. I cried as I realized I could come to Christ just as I was. He didn't require perfection sitting there talking with Brian's mom I prayed to receive Jesus as my savior several weeks later following counseling sessions with the pastor to make sure that I was that I fully understood 
I was baptized, and by God's grace, I'm now a woman of faith. So the source of our justification is the grace of God. The ground of our justification is the work of Christ, and the means of justification is faith. So let me conclude with a simple question. Are you justified? Are you justified by God's grace through the work of Christ? And have you received that which you have received by faith? If not, you simply need to recognize that you're a sinner with a massive pile of sins against your name. Ask Jesus to pay that penalty for your sin and credit righteousness to your account. I mean, we really got to understand that you just don't say a simple, you know, they call it the sinner's prayer, which is nowhere in the Bible. You just need to get with God and say, God, I need you. I, I want you. I want to be saved. And the Holy Spirit comes into you and then boom, that's it. You know, um, the regeneration starts and then it, it takes the process to get you where you need to be, right? Where God wants you to be. So guys, I hope this has been a good adventure for you. I know it has been for me. And I know that um, by the grace of God, I'm saved. And I know that I am justified, not by my works, but through the free gift that he gives us. Okay? All right. So, guys, a couple more announcements before I go. Right? Guys, uh, we're planning, a, you know, like I said before, we're planning a church here in Idaho. We are seeking your guys' support. We're not expecting it, but, you know, if you go to madefreechurch.org, you go to the Made Free Church Idaho tag, there is a way that you can give and support our mission to open up a church here in Idaho. So, guys, if you guys can do that, it would be great. And if you guys would like to generally support Made Free Church in any way, shape, or form, you can go to madefreechurch.org and you can give there. There's three ways to give. You can give through our cash app. You can give through our PayPal link or you can send a check or money order to the address that's provided. And guys, we are a 501c3 nonprofit in good standing. So please leave your email addresses so we can send you a tax deductible receipt. Okay. And guys, we are also seeking pastors, evangelists, ministers, and preachers for our new website called preachcore.org. And uh, this is... Uh, to showcase different pastors that are preaching the full counsel of God, right? So, you know, please go check that out. Also, um, if you guys want to check out my personal website and blog site, you can go to reformpastor.me. That's reformpastor.me. And if you guys would like to check out our podcasting, we're all over Made Free Church as well as Reform my 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 own Reform Pastor. So. You guys can check us out on all of our all of the podcasting platforms. And guys, thank you so much for being here. May God really bless your day and we're praying for you. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for this time that we get to spend with you in Bible study, God. We just ask that you bless our hands and feet as we go to work or school or whatever we're doing. Lord, that we would be focused on you and the things of you. And that we would just be just constantly in prayer with you know uh and and talking to you throughout the day lord lord put people on our path that we can share your gospel with them heavenly father in jesus name amen you guys have a great wonderful day god bless you and uh we'll see you sunday morning for church service
Et à la prochaine.